Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rents, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Michael, potential MILB shakeup. What do you think? This story doesn't even make sense. I mean, this just shows me just how far we are from understanding the business side of baseball. I totally agree. I also totally figure agree. that after, like, I don't understand the valuation difference of a AAA versus a A team. It feels like it should be bigger. But it doesn't seem like that's the case, right? No, it's like 20 million versus like 16 million. Like, yeah. hold on a second. You're telling me that a team full of AAA guys, the Orioles, are worth like you know four million dollars more than a Double A team? Yeah, like the Marlins. <laughs> so I guess I guess I'm understanding that the frustration is that different teams are gaming the system, kind of. Well, I think that there are a couple of things in play here. Yes, I think that there are some organizations that are better able to use their farm systems than others. Uh-huh. And I've been reading I've been reading a book. That's, that's sort of talking about the genesis of farm systems and and just how much newer they are than you would probably expect mm. or that the system hasn't always been that way. It used to be independent. They used to be independent of each other. And then Cardinals started buying up franchises underneath, the, underneath them using them as a farm system. And people were like, that could never work. <laughs> and it did. This helps to better align the system with what they're saying, as well as protects them by removing twenty percent of the oh I know of the, of the players. That I part's mean, crazy. You're going to be able to shave off tons of of money when salaries are realigned. But who does? I guess I'm I guess I'm slightly unclear. Like who does it protect? Like I can't figure out which side I want to be on to support the little guy. You know. I think it. I think it actually does make more sense because there are a lot of players. There, I mean, independent ball is a joke, right? Sure. You know, we we talked yeah. about you're saying Paul Saints. What if it wasn't a joke? You know, what if there was an actual product that competed with the MLB, and what if those players actually had a, you know, could go a different direction than the regular the regular direction so i think competitive wise it'd be interesting all right well we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that story i mean i think everything i read about it said everyone's so far apart on this that you have no idea what the final product is actually going to be (laughs) absolutely not no all right i think it's interesting though we'll follow free market we'll follow that book club how'd you You do ready for this uh i was about five pages short of finishing the reading for this week but i got it don't worry i'm not 100 percent sure where i'm at because i forgot to look because <laughs> i just read you just keep reading i just i was you just you just read you read past the six chapters i don't i don't i don't think so because i was like i got throttled myself but i'm i'm kind of scared to look well chapter six was the perfect chapter to get to because i had just gotten to the point of like we ever gonna fucking see Alice and Mel? Oh, and boom, there oh, they shit. are. Okay, then I'm then I'm further than I thought. 
Yes. Okay. I, I, okay. I, I All right. They made it. They made it. Well, ooh, that's that's very interesting. I do appreciate. I'm starting to see. We're just far enough in to see the lines start to connect. I think to the to book one. Like literally at the end of this chapter, we understand. Yes. And I haven't even finished the chapter, but we get. We see where the lines are linking up, right? And why it matters. Other than it being like. The start of this is the exact same as the start of the uh, La Belle Sausage. It's true. But you, I mean, I think the key ingredient is there, which is Malcolm. Malcolm. Like, if you, if you don't have Malcolm, you're like, what exactly is the connection between these? And I will say, this yeah. started like a delightfully slow Philip Pullman novel. It did, yeah. Phil does have that first chapter where you're like, am I... Am I really going to read this? Where are we? What are we? Well, that's true. His, it's true. His exposition lays out interesting. But I, I liked it because we have we have so many connections to his dark materials kicking it off. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you have because unlike the end of La Belle Sauvage, you actually have an adult Lara. <laughs> so you're like, oh, it's not a baby. Okay. And like you kind of understand why she has the alithiometer. Do we decide how we're going to say that? Do we settle on a pronunciation between us? No. Okay. Well, they should solve. I'm always alphiometer, but that's like you know mispronunciation. That feels like missing a like couple. But I feel like this will be this will get solved in the ah, next couple of weeks, care. right? There are a couple other there are a couple other words that I can't cannot even see, and and pronounce correctly because my. 15-year-old self, 14-year-old self. <laughs> I, I get that. Self, whatever it was. Uh, all right. So shall we continue? Book clubbing yeah. it? Yeah, of course we should. Six more chapters. Is the Six more chapters. Get to the end of chapter 12. Let, make sure that you don't get that much further. All right. This week, we are going to do a projection system workflow. Make sure that in our preparation for ideally submitting a Sloan paper that we understand what we're talking about. And if not submitting a Sloan paper, at least for our 2020 projections. So in the first half, we'll just talk through we'll talk through some of the details. Eric can kick the tires a little bit. We can decide if there's anything we want to change. Second half, we'll do a really quick test case look at Eddie Rosario. So here we go. All right, I'm going to be try and be short and sweet about this because uh, we've mostly explained the methodology. I'll be short and sweet about the early part of the methodology, and then we can uh, decide if there's anything else we want to change. All right, so step one, you built this step, beautiful step, how to cluster. And then we picked our quantities to actually cluster on. So the first step in, in clustering is you got to decide what metric space you're working in. And uh, you did you did most of this work. It's a It's a normalized stat metric, is that right? Uh, yeah, so we have to go back in and make sure that all of this is is still correct, and then we're still connected. The connective tissue is correct, and that was part of why I wanted to make sure that we did this. But yes, yes, it is a. Um, we are taking non-ratio. The the beauty of this and the confounding part of it is that we are normalizing it to six hundred at bats, so we can get the type of player that each of these players are. If you were to give. Mookie bats only 600 at bats. What would his his stats look like? And then conversely, if you were to give um, 600 at bats to Jake Cave, what would he look like? 
those two players are not going to produce the same thing, but we're putting them on the same plane. So we're talking about so we can get apples to apples as much as possible. So we're we're putting a little bit of faith in MLB managers here <laughs> to uh, that better players tend to get more plate appearances. I think right, and this sort of this will sort of start to suss out where in the lineup these players end up being, yeah. whether it's, you know, that's going to come out in the clustering. We could explicitly add that in, like Mookie Betts is a number two hitter or a leadoff hitter in a given year. But, you know, this, the production, we, we're going, we want to know what the production is, so might as well use what the production is rather than explicitly trying to, um, you know, make, an, make a uh, deliberate assertion. Yeah, and that, that's part of what we've what we've talked about before. So just for you know the the sake of completeness, because we haven't done any of the add-ons yet, we cluster on six quantities right now. We cluster on these are rates: home runs per plate appearance, runs per plate appearance, RBIs per plate appearance, hits per plate appearance, stolen bases per plate appearance, and the secret sauce I think at bats per plate appearance. Yep, which we can change to yeah at bats per plate appearance. <laughs> I mean in in some way in some way I wanted to I wanted a representation and I think you wanted a representation of how many walks a guy's a guy gets. Yes. Yeah. Right? Walks and and a, you get a little bit of usage in there as well for sacrifices. I mean you get a tiny bit. I think there's a little bit less play in the number of at bats per plate appearance, but we certainly want to see archetypical guys like Joey Votto of yesteryear and Carlos Santana or something where their walks are their walks are high and you want to reflect that. Okay, but the thing that we actually actually need to work on and this is or this is this is the place where we actually have to think about our research and what we want to what we want to say and do is there's a thing in here adding in here called regression factors which is how confident you are that the center of a cluster actually describes a true baseball stereotype. Okay. Meaning every player's rate is some distance from the center of an actual cluster. Right. The center of the cluster would be the average uh, stats in the, for that cluster. And not every player is going to be right there. That's right. And so using that, using the distance in metric space, you want to question, okay, how much should we regress someone back to the that cluster center? Because we've decided this cluster center is the archetypical player. This is what we believe in a vacuum their production would be close to. But we know there's some dispersion for players around that. So how much should we regress them back to that mean? And that's our real that's our real decision process. And I ended up deciding, after some empirical testing, okay, I think that the number that makes the most sense here is to is to is to change the length of that vector to sixty five percent of the actual numbers. So if you think, as an example, if you think that a player is going to get, or that the cluster center is ninety runs and a player actually got 100 runs last season, we downweight that to be 96 and a half runs. Okay. So if they if all their other peripherals look like 
a, the cluster center, we assume, okay, their run total isn't actually going to be that high. We need to, we need to bring that down a little bit. Okay, and so the, the opposite is true. If it's 80 and that number is 90, right. then you upweight that. That's right. Okay. All right. So, so that's the idea. And then this is also where we develop the uncertainties because if you're 80, if you're 10 away in your example, if you have 80 runs, but we think the cluster center is 90, we say, okay, well, there's, some, there's definitely some uncertainty here because they're not the same as the cluster center. So how do we bake that in? That's where we add the, for sigma, we do 1.2. So in that particular scenario, we would say, okay, this person's uncertainty is 12, plus minus 12 runs. Because we don't understand why they got 80 runs when we thought they should get 90. So, but we're pretty confident that it's going to fall somewhere within that range. Mm-hmm. And so choosing these two numbers, this 0.65 factor and this 1.2 factor, are what set how sensitive our projections are to the cluster centers. And that's that's for every stat. And that's for every stat, which is a really good point, which is that I was wondering, well, maybe we should alter this by the cluster, so the archetype, and maybe we should alter this by stat. Right, because shouldn't we... I have been thinking about this too. Right, shouldn't we... We create the cluster, we create the clusters, boom, 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 boom. And then you have within that cluster, you have different pockets where, in of data space, where um, people could be located. Some less common than others. Right. And so I, I think, oh, I think you're right that we, that we should fold Rabbit some of that hole. in. I mean, oh, it's a total rabbit hole, but this is why, I mean, this, this was really the thing that needed the most, that, that needs the most investigation. So this is where I spent the, the majority of the time working on the projections in the past was, okay, what, what do we do with these factors? How do we regress someone back to where we think they should have came from? So that's, that's something that I'm going to work on. Okay. Okay, I'm starting to, I'm, I, I like, this is one of those things, I see the edge of it. My eye slides off it, but I see the edge of what of what we could do, and I'm just not certain how we could do that. Because, yeah, we can't just have, we can have a blanket rule, but wouldn't it be cooler if we had <laughs> a specific rule for each cluster? Oh, I, yep, no, I, I agree. It's just a question of what we can get the data to to help us support. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how wild it is that players change from year to year and how that's reflected in the, in the cluster centers. So one thing that you produced in the past that I've continued producing is the stereotypical player. So the player that most resembles the cluster center. And if this doesn't tell you enough about how different 2019 is from previous years, 2019 generated several new baseball player stereotypes. Okay. So, for instance, Gene Segura's 2019 basically became the new archetype for a cluster center. Mitch Moreland's 2019, Christian Vasquez, Lorenzo Cain's 2019, Carlos Santana's 2019, and crazily enough, Ozzy Albi's 2019 is the new center of the best cluster. That actually it totally makes I sense. I know. <laughs> I know. It's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful wow. when these things are like, whoa, that's, 
that that's exactly how I thought that should work. How about this though? Jaime Candelario, he's the new worst. Jaime Candelario. Well, there you go. <laughs> Poor guy. He's the best at being the worst. That's nice. I like it. What is Gene Segura is the uh second cluster? Yeah. Uh the third cluster. Oh really? Was his stolen bases down that much? I believe his stolen bases were down just that much. Let me let me grab the Okay. Oh, Jinsegura, not even. He was actually actually the third cluster. So Ozzy Albies 2019, Mitch Moreland's 2019 is the number two cluster because of normalization. Oh, okay. And so now we have the number two cluster is not a stolen base cluster. It's No. So that part that part shuffled around. Christian Vasquez is the number three cluster, 2019. Uh the number yeah, number three cluster. Lorenzo Cain's 2019 is the number four cluster. Gene Segura's 2019 is the number five cluster. Oh, Mitch Moreland. If you just, if everybody was pitching in your side of the platoon, you would be such a valuable player. We didn't get all our thoughts in on the book this week. Expect a little bit more from us next week. We don't want to, you know, in case people haven't really caught up, let's make sure that next week we really devote some time and energy into this. But okay, do you want to say roses, roses, botany? Just I does not not a reference that I really remember went through my mental index. I think you're right. Okay, all right. I uh, I I didn't think it was so much that I would notice, but now I feel like I'm going to be hyper attuned. Let me walk you through one specific player here. Ironically, your suggestion, I didn't have to beg you to let me do this player. Eddie Rosario. He's a good example because he's someone that your projections, your R, whatever, projections were pretty bullish on. Yeah. And despite some setbacks, he had a really good year. Uh, I mean, especially against the projections of other, of our uh, competitors, let's call them. (laughs) (laughs) So let's explain why. Uh, I looked back at the 2019 projection system. And now, so remember, everything's shifted from a year from what we were talking about. And if you track what cluster he was placed in, value-wise, from from 0 to 12, zero, or 1 being the worst, 12 being the best cluster. 2015, not a good year. He was a 7. 2016, he's a 10. 2017, he's an 11. 2018, he's an 11. So you can immediately see why our projections liked him. Because they thought, this is a guy that belongs in the second best cluster. And in that paradigm, the, tw- the second best cluster, <laughs> crazily enough, how about a name that we haven't talked about in a while? Jung Ho Kang's 2015. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And his 2015 was 15 home runs, 5 stolen bases, 58 RBIs, 60 runs, 287 average. So he w- but on a low number of plate appearances, 420 plate appearances. All right, so it's so about this a third is- of the stat. Uh, it's a third short. 60% a third of short. The so this is where you're seeing... You know, you're seeing real five-tool, you know, basically five-tool production, a little higher on average. So our clusters took this and ran with it. If you plug in this rate at 620 plate appearances or something that I yeah. think we said Rosario was going to get, yeah, they look pretty good. Yeah, exactly. They look pretty good stats. <laughs> and then he, he pretty much backs it up this year. He ends up in what we called the number 10 cluster, which the archetype, if you run this again on this year's stats... The 2019 archetype, so we would say this season, he actually turned out to be most similar to Christian Vasquez's 2019 season, which is 
23 home runs, 72, 72 RBIs, 55 runs, 4 stolen bases, 276 average. So he jacks up his home runs a little bit, loses a little bit on the run, on the average, and then he's basically more or less at the rate that we projected for RBIs and runs. Okay. So those feel like things that I can live with missing because that's sort of the directional trend of baseball. Getting away from stolen bases and average, yeah. Yeah. So if you recompute this, if you recompute the new 2020 projection system paradigm, we actually thought that his 2016 is actually a little bit worse than we thought. He was 8 cluster out of 12. 2017 is 10, but his 2018 in retrospect looks even better, actually. It was, he good, actually it was a in, good year. He actually fit in the best in the best cluster in the, the new paradigm. And then he backed off a little bit in 2019 to the 10 cluster. So I think that the new projection system going forward places him back in the 10 cluster again. So we'll basically reproject him at that Christian Vasquez 2019 going forward. Which, if we're talking about, if we're still above where other ranking systems, and that's the thing is, is that yeah, we're, we're do remember that Christian Vasquez is a catcher and does not get a ton of at bats, but the ones that he gets are typically against for good matchups, and he's well rested, so this is a good bat. And if you're getting Eddie Rosario number of plate appearances, then you can make you can do some damage. That's exactly right. And and that's kind of interesting. It's interesting that both of these times Eddie Rosario has slotted in as like a slightly lower usage, but good when they're on the field archetype. Yeah. So he would be, yeah, he, he is the equivalent of having um, good players on both sides of a platoon. Yeah, actually, that's a really good way to describe it. So his 2019 ended up being... His 2019 ended up being 32 home runs, 91 runs, 109 RBIs, a 276 average. Wow, we nailed that. Good job, us. And three stolen bases. So we're doing okay. (laughs) Okay, so our over-under projection for Eddie Rosario is 27, plus minus 7. I'll take the over on uh, 26.5. You'll take the over on 26.5. Ooh, this is a lot of confidence here in in these models. Uh, actually, I'm gonna take. I would take the under on that. I, th- I, looking at his other numbers, I'm I'm not as confident. So we're projecting him for a 282 average, but we gave him. Ooh, okay. Here's a good one. So this is. This is 27 home runs in 634 plate appearances. Does he hit that many plate appearances? He only hit 590 this year. What does it say? 634. No. That's projections for 634 plate appearances. No, he doesn't hit 600 plate appearances. He doesn't hit 600 plate appearances. Nope. Okay, I'm going to be completely contrarian. I think he's over 600 plate appearances, and he's under 27 home runs. Okay doesn't make sense to me but I, you just gave me two i love it i i know that you think you just got two points i just don't think that's i think he's gonna see an increased i do think that he'll see an increased workload i mean you got to remember he has not been in the mlb for that long right 
I, I think you'll see an increased workload, and I, I just think that the home runs are going to regress next year. I just don't see how they stay this high. Disagree. But, but we shall see. We shall see. So I think I think the system actually worked well. I'm actually pretty confident after looking through Eddie Rosario here. Well, I mean, examples like that are great, right? Yeah. If there's a player that you want us to look at and discuss, we'd be happy to. I think that about brings us to the review session. Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton. Boy, he. Uh, I wish the Nationals had drawn it out a little bit more. We could have seen a couple more games. I totally agree. I had one game to watch, and uh, yep. I didn't catch all of it. So I have no idea what Adam well, Eaton is like in other games, except for the fact that he's the exact same. Yeah, Adam Eaton's exactly the same. So before we get into it here, Adam, Eaton 20, Adam Eaton's 2019, pretty remarkable for what he's done, put up in the past few years. 151 games, 656 plate appearances. 15 home runs. I draft yeah, I drafted him in TGFBI and it is nuts because you can't you can't expect that kind of production from him. No. 103 runs. Get this. 49 RBIs, 15 stolen bases and a 279 average. I don't know this for sure, but I would guess that's one of the most discrepant run RBI totals in baseball this year. <laughs> You think so? Oh, well. Especially amongst 600 plate appearance guys. Man, that, I mean, that's an NL. That is an NL player, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's like I lead off and I hit high in the order in the NL. I think the mix, I a ton uh, the, of, runs. The mix <laughs> of runs, RBIs, and stolen bases is is ludicrous. You see, the, you see that number, <laughs> 150. And then usually there's like 30 is the stolen base total, but 15. Well, he's, you know, he's really not. I assume assume that you don't like his stance. No. No. (laughs) It's like, it's like the opposite. It's like the exact opposite of Tommy Edmonds stance. It is. (laughs) Like, like. Like Edmund is Edmund's completely curved over the plate, curved inwards. Adam Eaton somehow is curved backwards. Like it looks like he's, it looks like he's completely leaning back from the plate with his upper body. I'd probably end up looking like that if I was in the batter's box, though. He tries I, to play I like a bigger you think guy. So? Yeah, he does. He does. He's. I I really feel like I would look more like I was I was hunched. You know that he's he's younger than us, right? It feels like he's been around forever. I know. I know. It, he, I I would have. I yeah. I would have guessed that he was our age exactly. He's. I mean, he's he's close, right? He's he's, he's born he's born in eighty eight, so he's he's basically basically moving on up with us. Yeah. Generally, I'm happy to see him on the field. You know, those years without him were actually pretty disappointing. It's just tough because he always gets hurt. You know, and he's a player that plays hard, so he gets hurt. He's a player that's small and gets hurt. You know, that's Pedroia showed us that that happens. But he was he was just really hurt in 2017, 2018. Because he, he put up 123 games in 2014, mm-hmm. 153, 2015, 157 in 2016. I mean, he, was, than AJ he was out there. And then, yeah, and then he just like, and then he just got rocked in 2017, 2018. He only appeared in 
23 games 2017 and 95 and 2018, which is pretty disappointing. So the the question is, I mean, the really important thing that we, if we're talking for next year, um, he's going to be he's 30 years old right now. Um, yeah, he's going to be 31 at the start of the season. Is he? What's his over under on at bats? What's his over under at games? Would you take uh, the three year average is ninety two? Oof! Oh, he's way over that. He's way over that. I think. Okay, I think true. you have to do a. I think you have to regress it like we regressed it, right? So if you do that, ooh, let me do some quick math here. That is one hundred and nineteen games. If you Oof. followed our projections, yeah, I was gonna say one hundred twenty. I take the over. Yeah, I'll take the under. Yeah, I'd say I'll I, take the under. Yeah, give me the that's one. A good one. One nineteen is the push. Yeah, I, yeah. One nineteen okay. is the push. I that's a good one. I think that's a good one. It'll be interesting to see. It's gonna get to one twenty. We only project him for nine home runs next year. <laughs> that's fair. I would not take. I would not take the bat either direction. Uh, yeah, that's nine is a nine's a good number. I think. I mean, he's a player that I like. He's a player that I can't depend on. I want to see him on the field. Hopefully for more than 119. I just don't think it's true. Who are we watching in the World Series? J.J. Redick. That's, there it is. I like it. (laughs) Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.